0: Hi, this is Cindy Godwin, pastor of Summit Church, and this is Our Chosen Podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope that it helps
1: build up your faith and remind you that God has chosen you and set you apart for His purpose. Enjoy the message.
0: Good morning, everybody. All right, so I'm going to I'm going to give announcements. I'll do it at the beginning and the end because this is our last session until September the 12th. And I want to thank you for joining me this summer. It's been a blessing, a privilege. And again, you know, I'm preaching to the choir. You all are the faithful ones and and I'm so very, very, very grateful for all of you so much. You mean so much to me. And so we will meet back for our regular meeting beginning September 12th. The Lord has assured me and reassured me multiple times and in multiple ways that we are entering a season of glory. And I truly trust him for that in in every way. The glory of God is the goodness of God. So I am absolutely thrilled. And so September 12th, our first brunch will be October the 10th. Reservations are open so you can get online or call the church office and make a reservation. And... Uh, da, 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 da. Live streams and podcasts will resume on September 12th. And meanwhile, let's start with today. I'm going to share with you something briefly before we have two wonderful testimonies today, but before you hear them, I wanted to say this to you, because a question that is and books have been written and you don't need to write a book, all you need to do is share a few scriptures. Why do we suffer so much? and why do bad things happen? We're redeemed. And we are purchased by the blood of Jesus. So why all the trials and why all the struggles? And, and I know you probably know the answer, but I'm going to answer it biblically for you. You don't need to read a 300-page book. It's in the Bible. And so just a few scriptures. I'm going to start with Revelation chapter 12 and verse 12. Therefore be glad, O heavens, and you that dwell in them, but woe to you, O earth and sea. For the devil has come down having great wrath. Did you just hear that? The devil has come down having great wrath. When did that happen? When Adam fell. When Adam committed high treason, the devil inherited Adam's lease. Adam has a, had a lease. Genesis 2.28. Or excuse me, 1.28. He's, he gave man dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowls of the air and over every creeping thing that crawled. And he told man, take dominion. He said, subdue the earth. When Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness, he said, all these things have been given to me and I will give them to you if you worship me. Right there, right there, very clear. I have Adam's lease. They're mine. And all you have to do is worship me. Can you imagine telling Jesus to worship the devil? All you have to do is worship me. And Jesus told him off. With it is written, you'll serve only the Lord your, your God. And so the devil has come down de- great down uh, with great wrath because he knows he only has a short time left. Now, when I read this to you, know that the woman referred to is the church. Remember, Jesus is going to come back for a what? Bride. So it's in the feminine and it does refer to men and women. So listen, and when the dragon saw that he was cast down to the earth, he went in pursuit of the woman who had given birth to the male child. Okay, so duh, why are we suffering? Well, he's pursuing us. I'm going to prove, I'm going to totally prove this to you out of the word of God. Verse 15, out of the mouth of the dragon or the serpent spouted forth water like a flood after the woman that she might be carried off with the torrent. What are those lies? Now, he's going to directly refer to the saints in the tribulation. We're not there yet. I know some people believe we are, but we aren't. We're headed toward it. But the biggest thing we're headed toward, which I'm so excited about, is the second coming of Christ, and that is not preached enough anywhere. Jesus is coming again. Well, Sandy, generations have said that. Well, guess what? Every day is a day closer. Every day is a day closer to the return of Jesus to catch us away. And we'll meet our beloved ones who have preceded us in the air. And we we might be in the air by that time. I don't know, but... I completely believe at least my grandchildren, I do, I really do. All generations that believe that we're a day closer. And we better put our hope in the coming of Christ. So he a flood of lies came forth. Verse seventeen. The dragon was furious and enraged at the woman, and listen, he went away. To wage war on the remainder of her descendants who obey God's commandments and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's us. He went to wage war. Okay, so I'm doing this the old fashioned way. I actually have a Bible up here. Daniel chapter 7, verse 25. And he shall speak words against the Most High God and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and think to change the time and the law. And the saints shall be given into his hand for a time. Again, this is going to refer to the tribulation. Two times and a half and a half and a time three and one half years. But the judgment shall be set by the court of the Most High, and they shall take away his dominion to consume it and to destroy it suddenly in the end. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heavens shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominion shall serve and obey him. All right, so we see there is a war. Duh! So don't be asking, well, how come and why? The Bible's very clear. First Timothy 6, 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Well, you don't have to fight if there's not a war. If there's not a battle, what's there to fight about? Fight the good fight of faith. It doesn't say fight your husband or your children or the church. <laughs> there's only one thing the devil wants. He wants your faith. Why? Without faith, you can't please God. So he'll go after whatever, whether it's your health or your marriage or your finances or your relationships, whatever he can use to get your faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of the eternal life to which you were summoned and for which you confessed the good confession before many witnesses. So lay hold of what you were saved for. This is just... I mean, this is so clear. You have to be resistant to not get it. That's all there is to it. Ephesians 6, 11. Put on the whole armor of God. Why do you need armor if there's not an enemy? so that you may be able to successfully stand up against that guy we were talking about, that spirit, against all the strategies and deceits of the devil, that serpent, that dragon. For we're not wrestling with flesh and blood. I'm telling you the cure to marital strife, for those of you who are married, is to realize that your spouse is not your enemy. You don't wrestle flesh and blood. Your children are not your enemy. The people at church that wounded you are not your enemy. We do not wrestle flesh and blood. We do not contend with physical opponents, but against the depotisms, powers, master spirits who are the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spirit forces of wickedness in the supernatural sphere. Therefore, put on God's complete armor that you may be able to resist and stand your ground on the evil day of danger. And having done all the crisis demands, stand firm. And then it tells you what armor is you're to put on. Just like you put on your clothes, you put on your spiritual armor. How do you do that? Deliberately, with intent. I didn't get up this morning and my clothes jumped on me. Like you might see on TV, I didn't get up and all of a sudden my shoes were on my feet. I had to put them on. I had to make a choice, a decision. I had to will my, my body, with, using my brain power, to do so. It's the same with spiritual armor. You make a decision. You deliberately do it. It's not just going to happen. Okay, where is the next one? Three, four, here we go. 1 Peter 5, 8 through 10. Be well-balanced, vigilant, cautious at all times, For that enemy of yours, the devil, roams around like a roaring lion. Like a roaring lion. He's not the lion. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. But he's like a roaring lion. What does a lion do? They want to scare their prey. And if the prey, P-R-E-Y, submits to the roar, it gets devoured. Because instead of what the Bible says that I just read you, withstanding him, What does the prey do? It runs in fear. He roams around like a roaring lion in fierce hunger, seeking someone to seize upon and devour. Withstand him firm in your faith. And this is so powerful. Against his onset. I mean, if you don't do it the minute he attacks you with a symptom or a report, you've already taking a bad move people you resist him at his onset and you have to remember the minute you do he's going he's as he flees he's going to say i'm not going because he's a liar establish strong immovable and determined How do you do that? In Jesus' name, I am determined to not move my stand of faith. I am determined to uphold the word of God. That's how you take the kingdom by force. It is a fight. It's not a picnic. Knowing that the same identical sufferings are appointed to your brethren, the whole body of Christians throughout the world, and here you go, And after you have suffered a little while, how long is a little while? I don't know. I wish I did. It would be so much easier. What's a little while? Until it happens. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who imparts all blessing and favor, who has called you to his own eternal glory in Christ Jesus, will himself complete and make you what you ought to be, establish and ground you securely and strengthen and settle you to him, be the dominion, power, authority, rule forever and ever. This isn't talking after you die. I absolutely can't stand it. When somebody does pass, as you know, my sister did five months ago. Oh, she's healed now. No, she's not. She didn't even have a body. She's a spirit being. She's redeemed. She's restored. We don't need healing in heaven, people. There's no sickness in heaven. I want you to be biblically accurate and the lastly last thing I'm going to give you is 1 John 5:19. We know positively that we are of God. And the whole world around us is under the power of the evil one. How do you stay out of the power of the evil one? Back up to verse 18. We know absolutely and that anyone born of God does not deliberately and knowingly practice committing sin. So you can't just live however you want, whenever you want, and do whatever you want, and say whatever you want, and think whatever thoughts you want. My auntie, one of my aunties, um, did not live very long after she was born again. So she didn't have time to renew her mind. And I remember she would always say, well, honey, I'll just sin and God will forgive me. Well, yes, he does. But the truth is, I uh, see, I didn't tell the truth, but it was not deliberate. Because in 1 John 2, verse 1, my little children, I write these things to you so that you will not violate God's law and sin. You see, he doesn't will for us to sin once we're born again, once we've given our heart to Jesus. But if anyone should sin, we have an advocate who will intercede for us with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who conforms to the Father's will in every thought, purpose, and action. But it's not expected. And so verse 18 of of 1 John 5, we know that anyone born of God does not deliberately and knowingly practice committing sin. But the one, Jesus, Who was begotten of God carefully watches over and protects him. Christ's divine presence within him preserves him against the evil, and the wicked one does not lay hold, get a grip on, or touch him. So let's determine to stay out of the power of the evil one and live a holy life. That doesn't mean you glow in the dark at all. It means you make a deliberate decision. I am going to walk conform to the will of God. I am going to love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Trials will come, but I am going to resist the devil. I'm going to put on the whole armor of God. I didn't read you, James 4, 7, but it says submit to God, resist the devil. I will submit to God. I will not deliberately practice sinning, and, and I will walk in the power and the dominion and the authority of my Christ. Because he's given it to me. I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall in any way hurt you. It's Bible. So I'm going to introduce our first speaker, and she's been through the fire and came out not burned. And before we hear these two testimonies today, I just wanted to tell you, because I don't want you going, well, these are good people. Why have these things happened? Now you know. I wish I could inoculate all of us from any form of suffering. But here's the good news. Weeping only endures for a night. When is the night over? When the sun comes up. (laughs) But joy comes in the morning. And so our first speaker, all of you know her. She is the president of the Happy Club. And I absolutely adore her. And she came to us not liking women. She's a Marine. And she just thought women were so catty, but we changed her mind. So Jovette, get up here.
2: Welcome. Thank, you. thank you so much. And thank you, Miss Sandy, for giving me this opportunity. I appreciate it. Now, for those who don't know me, my name is Jovette, and I try to do a disclaimer just so people can get a better understanding, okay, because I'm sure I'll offend somebody. And thank you, <laughs> Tiffany, for giving me your readers. So this is my disclaimer. I found out... A couple of years ago that I need to do this, yes, I am a woman, but i 'm not a typical woman i 'm a recovering tomboy Yes, I am five foot one, but technically five foot and three quarters, but i 'm not a typical short person in my mind, I am tall i 'm a giant I really am I got I used to work at Schlitterbaum. I caught a, a glimpse of myself in the in the reflection i 'm like Dang, I'm short. I'm tall up here. Yes, I was born in Panama. It's a country in Central America. But I'm not a typical Panamanian, much less a typical Hispanic. So I've had people say, oh, I know a a Panamanian friend. I'm like, yeah, we're not alike. Yes, I was raised in Brooklyn, New York. New York. But I'm not a typical New Yorker. People are like, oh, you're from New York, yeah? Yes, I served in the United States Marine Corps for 14 years, but I'm not a typical Marine, just to give you that. Yes, I have lived in Texas for over two-plus decades, but I'm not a Texan. People are like, oh, so you're a Texan. I'm like, "Mm mm-mm. I went to the rodeo the first time two years ago, saw the Nationwide is on your side guy, and I'm like, oh, they're like, oh, yeah. I don't know who he was, but everybody likes him. Y'all should know who he is. Uh, Yes, I am married to a wonderful husband, mi amor, papi chulo, David, but I'm not a typical wife. If you talk with him, he'll tell you all about that. I have three amazing miracle babies who are all grown adults. They're 18 and 19 months apart, but I was not and am not a typical mother. According to my oldest son, I was doing too much as a mom. Yes, I was in a classroom teacher. Sorry, I was a classroom teacher for over eleven plus years. But imagine me as a teacher. Yeah, I can spot all the kids that were like me. I'll I'll get into that. Yes, I was diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia (AML), which is a blood cancer. But I was not a typical patient. I often joke, you don't have to be crazy to be my friend, but it sure helps. I am the president of the Happy Club. Miss Sandy gave me CHO, Chief Happy Officer, um, in December. So that's my... I I haven't been able to throw that in yet, but I do tell people. I am Faith Walker. It must be said just like that, and you have to have that whole body posture and everything like that, just so you know. We'll get get to the Faith Walker part. I am blood-bought, spirit-filled, tongue-talking daughter of a king i know that i it is not biblically sound i am god's favorite daughter just so you know we did a a couple of years ago probably a decade and a half ago uh, we did a he didn't rather the speaker did a favorite daughter you know if you walk around knowing that you are god's favorite daughter you walk a little different your shoulder's not going to be hunched down your head's not going to be down i am his favorite daughter So, when you go and you present yourself and walk into a room, guess what? People will realize, ooh, she knows who she is. So, that's why I say I'm God's favorite daughter. And so are you, just so you know. I live life on purpose, with a purpose, and I live life big. So, today we're going to be talking about listening. One of the I had to set a timer because I do talk a lot. Um, you, can expect, you can't expect to hear from God if you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off. Joyce Meyer said that. So I am going to set my timer. When it goes off, that means I have five minutes have passed. All right. So I, before I got into the trials and the tribulations, because we will all have troubles and tsunamis and, and oceans and obstacles that will try to take us over. Before I get I kind of wanted to let people know that it didn't start there. 2018, when everything happened, it didn't start there. It started way before. So, I'm going to do a condensed five minutes of a little bit of everything. Now, I mentioned that I was born in Panama, so my whole family is Panamanian. I am the last of the, fam- the third generation to be born in Panama. Everybody else is American. You know, they, I like to throw that at them every now and then. But part of being raised in Brooklyn is. How do I put this? It's a different culture. Let's put it. If you've never been to New York, it's a different culture. So at 15 years old, see how fast I jumped there? At 15 years old, I knew I wanted to join the Marine Corps. I knew I wanted to be a Marine. I knew what I wanted to do what, as far as rant, r- r- ranks, where I wanted to be, how I wanted to do it. Then I'm going to retire in 30 years. Had my whole life planned out. I didn't know God back then. Just, I knew, let me rephrase that. I knew him. I knew of him. But I didn't get saved until I was in the Marine Corps. For those young people, saved means accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I'm old school. You know, I I had to do the altar call when you came up. And, you know, everybody's like, ooh, can't do that. Yeah, it kind of happens. So I joined the Marine Corps, right? My staff sergeant proceeds to tell me, how do you know you're going to heaven? Now, at that time, I think I was a Lance Corporal, probably. Um, How do you know you're going to heaven? I'm like, I'm a good person. That is not the right answer, just so you know. So she was smart enough, and she was just like, what does the Bible say? I'm like, what does the Bible say? What are you talking about? I don't know what the Bible says. So I went looking at them. That's how my journey kind of started, you know. So I'm in my room, opened up the Bible. I think it's Romans 9, 10. And I'm like, oh, okay. So then I went to church the next day. She was like, you got to get into a church. I'm like, all right. So I went to one. I was looking for churches. I go, and I'm like, all right. And then did an altar call. I'm like, okay, I got to go up there. I was excited to go up there, and now this joy has been with me all my life. Just so you know, all right? So I go up there and like, okay, you're gonna give your life to Lord. Can you follow me this way? Like, yeah, sure. And like, so what did you be done? i like, I accepted Jesus Christ. Where? In my room. That's what I did. I didn't need a confirmation from a church, but it was nice to get that confirmation. Like, okay, you know, I just wanted to make sure I was doing it right. Okay, so that that was that. So. With the Marine Corps, and as i said, going along, you know, I'm just giving you a little pre thing. How about listening? Every duty station I went to, I had my Yellow Pages. For those that are young, Yellow Pages was this big fat book that you went through. So I looked up churches, non-denomination, went through all of that. And I'm like, okay, I'll write down the names, and I'll go visit each of the church. Now, what I've learned since then, because we're talking about 30 something, three decades plus years ago, what I learned since then is that. God has a sense of humor, so I go to each one, of them and he's like, "Okay," and then he'll and then he'll let me know. This is where I want you. I'm like, all right, sounds like sounds like a plan, and I would stay there. The thing about it, when you're in the military, you kind of don't stay too long any place. It's like two and a half years maybe, and you move on to the next. So, next duty station did the same thing. Next duty station did the same thing. Ended up getting medically discharged. I got injured when I was in the Marine Corps. I ended up getting medically discharged. That was not part of my plan. I was not very happy at all. You have to understand, I had my whole Marine Corps career planned out. I'm like, okay. And then I come out. And I'm like, all right. People don't think that happy people can get depressed, happy people can get depressed. I went into a state of depression for about 18 months. Now, my relationship with God is different from yours, obviously. Each of us have a different relationship. I know he has a sense of humor. He made me. I know we laugh a lot. I know he, he, he's a comedian. he got jokes. So here I am. I remember, because I, I know people tend to hold back from God when they're in trouble oh no I go towards him I'm holding on to him tight so here I am coming out of Bible study because I was still going to church that didn't stop me coming out of Bible study and I was just like okay that was a good word and then all I heard was are you done I'm Like, yes Lord I understand that depression itself is a th- yes I was on medication everything is a different different in every everybody mine was just like okay We're done. We're done. I'm like, okay. And I was. It really was. Like, okay, I got to get off the medication. All right. my Because it it just, let me just rephrase it. The doctor explained, if you're in so much pain, because I got injured, it will cause more pain when you're depressed. And he kind of explained it all. I'm like, okay, I didn't want to do it, but I did it. So I'm like, okay. So coming down now to down. Here I am getting out. With the listening. Here I am getting out and I come to my, I have no problem with any church that I've joined. Please. So I'm coming out of, coming out of the little pages. I'm like, okay. He's like, I need you to be here. I'm like, nope. I don't think that's a good idea, Lord. That was my thing. I don't think this is a good idea. He's like, but I think you should be. I'm like, mm-mm. I looked around. like, these people are way too quiet. Way too quiet. I said, and he's like, yeah. I'm like, look, I sway. You know, I'm a swayer. He's, I'm like, nobody's swaying here. Everybody's all quiet. He's like, it's okay. I know you sway. I'm like, I raised my hands, Lord. He's like, it's okay. I know this. I'm like, oh, come on. So, make this real quick. He told me about word of faith. Uh, no, yeah, it was a conference, a women's conference. He's like, you should go to that. I'm like, I don't think that's a good idea, Lord. He's like, go to it. You're a faith walker. I've had Faith Walker before, long before, long before Grey's Anatomy did this. Just let you know. So you're a Faith Walker. Go to women's. I'm like, I don't want to go to no women's conference. A bunch of women are there. I went. I enjoyed it. Uh, Ladies, chocolate extravaganza. I don't like chocolate. Why would I want to go hang out with women and Chocolate. I listened. I argued with him for seven minutes. There's seven minutes from my house to the church I used to we used to go to. And I'm like, I don't think this is a good idea because you said we have to be of good cheer. Now he said that about tithing, not about me going to functions. I figured that out later. He's like, he's like, are you done? I'm like, yes. Now go in and have fun. I'm like, all right, fine. And I went. Another thing he told he told me with um women activities. I'm like, I don't want to do any more women activities. Happy anniversary. Seven years ago this week, I joined y'all by accident. So I came in, there was a breakfast, and I was just like, oh, okay, all right. I'm looking around, looking, oh, they serve food in these places? This is cool. I'm like, I didn't know her. I never heard of a church selling, you know, having food. And then I met Miss Sandy, and I'm like, oh, I like her. She's, she's tough. I like that. I like that. And then she said, stand up and tell us where you're going to be served. I'm like, I don't do, oh. I'm like, Lord? He's like, mm-hmm. He, he does that to me. Because he told me to go through the paper. Go through all these little women thing, Like oh. At that point, I learned my lesson. I don't say I don't think this is a good idea. So going back to the listening Now, 2018. Summer. June. Around June. The summer beginning. And I just remember not feeling my normal self. So I'm here. Everybody else is right here. The average person is here. I'm al- I've always been like this. And I'm about July, I had caught a fever, and I was like, what is going on? And, of course, I rebuke everything and anything. I really do. I don't have time for this. That's, that's my little, I don't have time to be sick. Sorry. So I go. And all I remember is at this conference that I was at, we had to do a, um, I know the, the speaker was a Christian by the way she was speaking. And what she did was like a prophetic act. She goes, turn to your neighbor and tell them whatever you think you need. They, you know, God. Now, she didn't say God. She didn't say God. She goes, tell them what is on your heart. So me and God are communicating because I'm listening now. Me and God are uh, communicating. And I tell him, it just happens that was the, the husband. And he, I told him exactly what God, I'm like, I'm thinking that's a good word. You just got good word. I don't know if you know that, but that was a good word. And then he turns to me. And he says, be brave, be strong. Now, I just told you I spent 14 years in the Marine Corps, right? I know this already. I don't need anybody telling me be brave and strong. I know this. So I'm like, really? That's, that's all you got for me? All right. And I'm like, okay, Lord. All right. You know, I, I had a little attitude. Just so you know, I did have a little attitude. I'm like, you know, I just gave him a good word. And all he tells me is these four words. Like, don't worry about it. Later on. So now I'm in urgent care. Right? And I'm like, something is going on. I've rebuked everything. But then I started getting marks. Oh, no. Sorry. First I got to get pimples. I'm like, I am too old to be getting pimples. Too old to getting pimples. And then I got marks all over my body. I'm like, this is new. Okay. All right. So. Urgent care tells me I need to go to the PCP because all I have is the VA as my doctor. I'm like, all right, go to the PCP. PCP telling me every time I went to urgent care, every time I went to... But you look fine. I'm like, I know. I look fine, but something's wrong. But you look... I know, but something's wrong. I went told doctors at least five times. I know, but something's wrong. So now I see this PCP. Who's a man? Nothing against men. And he's just like looking at me. He's like, but you look fine. I'm like, I know, I know. Something's up. Got the attitude, nothing against men doctors. It was just like, okay, we'll just pacify her and give her, a, what is that, a full pa- panel of blood work. That was the Wednesday. That Monday, got called in. Uh, you need to go to the emergency room and you need a uh, blood transfusion. Right, like right now, like, well, can I hold off until Friday because we just started back at school and I got, I can't get a substitute, and like, no, you need to go right now, you'll be dead by Friday. Like, why didn't you just start with that? So then, go into the hospital, emergency room, and of course, I get, but you don't look like someone who has low blood pressure, I know, I mean, blood. I'm like, I know, I know. I was that that was like five point something. I'm like, I know, I know. Going through, all throughout the hospital, but you don't, like, I know, I know. I got that a lot. But, 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 but. Got the blood transfusion. I'm getting out. Can I go back to teaching now? They're like, no. You need to wait till we do Because I did a bone marrow biopsy. Okay. So I go home. Pay the bills and all that stuff. Friday morning, August 31st, 2018. I'm paying our mortgage. And David is texting me. He's like, answer the phone. I'm like, I'm in the middle of something right now. And he's like, answer the phone. The doctor's trying to get a hold of you. Comes out. I have was diagnosed, rather, with acute myeloid leukemia. It's a blood cancer. So every time I say, like, you have cancer, I'm like, what are you talking about? I have acute myeloid leukemia. That's what they said. And, like, and of course, I didn't accept any of those. Because the first thing I thought was just like, oh, no, 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 no. We ain't doing this. Because the first thought I had was, I don't have time for this, Lord. I got places to go, people to see, and things to do. And then I stayed still. And I was quiet. And then it was, it was like a piece. It really was a piece. And all he said was, put on your armor, of God. And that's what I did. I'm like, all right. Time to battle. Just put your battle gear on. Time to, time to do this. Because I thought for sure there are patients, doctors, nurses that he wanted me to talk to in the hospital. And I wouldn't normally be there, so I have to go in now. Go ahead. Went in. Four rounds of chemo five hospital visits, at each round, I probably should have died, because there was one particular unexpected visit, because I wasn't listening too well, I wasn't feeling too well one Monday, it was right after Thanksgiving, and I'm like, okay, and I'm like, I don't feel good, this is, this is not good, and I felt just like I did at the beginning, and I'm like, I'm holding on to the shower walls, I'm like, so I call my, you know, my, my oncologist, he's like, get to the hospital now, I'm like, all right, so I'm, David is now, I'm trying, I got to jump in the shower, babe. He's like, why? I'm like, because I got to get clean before I go to the hospital. He's like, babe, we don't have time. I'm like, I'm good. Let's go. Let's go. And I can see him, but his face looks scared. He's like, babe, babe, babe. I can see I'm like, why is he yelling at me? Apparently, I was like really going out. Well, it showed that I had no platelets and my white blood cell count was down to one or point one. I don't remember which one it was. Who knows but you can't be that low just so you know in case you were thinking your blood count really is what keeps you kind of healthy healthier you should be so when people are going through chemo or any kind of radiation all that they're susceptible to sickness you don't want to catch a fever just so you know so After all of this, my youngest son, so I have three children. I told you they're 18 and 19 months apart. My baby girl is in the middle. And all three of them got tested for, uh, because I wasn't in the bone marrow bank. I think that's what it's called. And there was no match. So my kids were next. So they were telling my kids, you know, you can only be 50% because they're my kids. They have half of their father, right? But I'm like, okay, all right, nothing's in the bank, so we're going to be good. So they wanted my youngest son because he's the youngest male. Apparently females have too many antibodies and all that other good stuff. And then my oldest son was leaving for Korea with my daughter in love. So they got him, they pumped him up, got his all white blood cells all pumped up and everything. And despite what you see on TV, it's just a blood transfusion. You know, a bone marrow, it's just, it's just a transfusion. They make it scary on TV and it's not. So I get his blood, and everything starts to, like, act a little funky. And I'm like, okay. But before all of this, besides that, God also told me, make sure you eat and make sure you still do your PT. Physical training, workout, exercise, that's what PT is. And I'm like, okay, okay. So you get these, like, white things in your mouth, and you can't eat, and you don't feel like eating. And all that. I still had to eat. I get, I, I kept eating, kept eating, kept eating. Kept eating. Fast forward, after the bone marrow transplant, the paperwork shows that I am 100% of my son. I don't know how that happened, besides God. But I think one of the biggest things when I look at that, when I got saved back in the Marine Corps, I was covered with the blood of Jesus. Now, four years later, it's kind of like that transfusion of the same thing. So, as I conclude, I wanted to say because when we had a we had a guest speaker at our church la, uh, yesterday, um, Sunday, fear doesn't stop death; it stops life. I refuse to stop living. I refuse. Life is short, and then you will die. But what if you live to ninety-five? You can't stop living, and I know all of this happened pre-pandemic, post-pandemic. You know everything happened, and everybody got secluded, and everybody's all oh, afraid and scared and all this. Like look, I was ready to come back out. I had been in seclusion for a long time. Oh, and you got to keep keep your little bubble with you and God, just so you know. You're listening to him. You can't listen to him and listen to other people too. Okay, so you get you get in your little bubble. Miss Sandy would text me, and she's like, "Wait, like, oh, we are going to art class today." I had ukulele. They was like, oh, you got to go back in the hospital. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. I have ukulele lessons on Thursdays, so um, can we like, shift this around? And I would think, Why? Because if I'm going to be on my assignment to be in the hospital and talk to the doctors and the nurses and the patient, I didn't look like a typical patient, just so you know. I didn't act like a typical patient. I'm like, if I'm going to have to do that, I'm going to have fun while I'm doing this. So you got to live. You cannot be afraid. So that's where the be brave came in. And be strong. So, thank you very much for listening to my testimony.
0: Thank you so much. Uh-oh. Am I on? Yes. Uh, And the, the big, really big point here is that that transfusion gave her her son's basically DNA. And that's what happens when you ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. It's a blood exchange. And we're under a blood covenant. And every promise in the Bible is backed by that blood. And if you will resist the devil and stand on that covenant, then exactly what 1 Peter 5 says will happen, God himself will strengthen and perfect and confirm and establish you. So our next testimony, and I'm sure you all know Joyful Anna Caseda. and she again went through the fire and is not burned. She is a powerful force in the kingdom of God, and I wanted you to be blessed by her presence and her testimony. Anna, come on up here. Hey,
1: friends. I wanted to tell you today that the Lord has heard your prayers. The ones that you prayed on the way over here and the ones that you've been praying for decades. He's heard them all. And every time you call on him, there is a declaration that goes out from his heart that says, I will perfect everything that concerns you. Whether your prayers were delivered to his heart through whispers or through tears, he's kept a record of your requests. Not one of them has been forgotten, dismissed, or ignored. In 2021, when my mom was going through the battle of her life, I was with her in the hospital, and I had never, in all the years I knew her, had never seeing her pray like this. And she said, Lord, you know, I love you so much. And you're the one who has been with me through every season of my life. And in those moments I realized, wow, she has been in the presence of the Lord like never before in her life that I had seen. And I knew because her heart and her affections were on him that he was so close to her. That every prayer that she was pouring out at his feet, that he was grabbing hold of them and holding them close to his heart. Those prayers and those moments when you're going through the hardest times that's when you know that the Lord is close because he said, I am near to the brokenhearted. And those prayers were so precious to him. And in those last days of her life, my daughter was on her heart. My 12 year old daughter, she was 10 at the time, was just going through a really hard season. And my husband and I, we had done everything we knew to do, but mom, she was praying day and night. She was feeling the weight of my daughter, Zoe, of her destiny, of her future, of the assignment that the enemy was trying to take her out with. She was feeling that in those moments and she was relentless going to the throne. Now, after time has passed, um, your heart starts to heal and you start to forget about those moments and those really hard times. But some really exciting things happened over the summer and I texted Sandy at the end of summer Bible study and I told her my great news. My daughter, um, who is so smart and so wise. She's 12 years old, she's in middle school now, and she just um, knows it all. <laughs> but, but really, I've been praying over her since she was in my womb. I've been praying the word over her, decreeing and declaring the blessings of God over her and the destiny that he has for her. And um, I just have poured everything I knew to do into this girl. And her heart was still very hard. Well, she's turned 12, so she has outgrown the child care here. And I said, well, I guess you got to come with me to summer Bible study. And she argued, and she complained, and I brought her anyway. And then when she came, I was so embarrassed because she looked like she wasn't even paying attention. I had to give her one of those mother taps that many of you probably know what I'm talking about. And nothing ever seemed to change. She was just really unmoved. And so, um, week after week, this was happening. Even, I mean, we even had the last Bible study and same thing, but I was like, it's not up to me to change her heart. All I can do is present it to her i can sit her under the word of the lord and i can keep bringing her and bringing her but the lord gives each of us free will that's the gift the choice to choose him or to not choose him well uh that night the last night of summer bible study she comes into my room surprisingly at bedtime and she's like i want to read the bible and i'm like no you need to get to bed (laughs) and really um for months she was kind of turning that down and every time i would sit with her to dig into the word it was just very hard heart it was it was almost like there was a wall there that wouldn't allow her to receive but that night she comes in and she says i want to read the bible and she starts to tell me she keeps pressing me and pressing me and then she starts to repeat some of the things that we had heard at Bible study. And then she gets really excited about the things that the lady with the red hair had said. And when she said that, I knew she's talking about our precious Sandy. She's been listening week after week. The Lord has been touching her heart. He's been softening her and preparing her and drawing her closer when it looked like she was just sitting there reading or, oh gosh, it was so embarrassing. She wouldn't wouldn't even look up. But yet her ears were tuned and God was opening her ears to hear and receive what he had for her. And for those of you that weren't here, the summer Bible study was all about the heart of the father. So that night... After I realized this is the real deal, her and I um, stayed up till one in the morning and we talked about the Lord. We talked about his goodness and his faithfulness. And I told her stories and we opened up our Bible and we dug in and she said, Mama, I want to hear him for myself. Mama. Mama. I want to tell all my friends about him so they can be happy like I am. And then she said, Mama, I want to learn everything about him just like the lady with the red hair. And I just, it really was one of the best nights of my entire life to see her so sincere and authentic, to see those walls broken down. It was a new person, a new creation. Now this girl grew up in the church. She said the sinner's prayer. I mean, in a youth group, they go up almost every week. She raised her hand every week. And like I said, I was pouring into her every day, but it wasn't until the appointed time when the Lord broke down every wall and the Holy Spirit breathed on her, that she became a new creation. So I was so excited. First thing in the morning, I text Sandy just to thank her. I was like, you won't believe this. But after all that summer Bible study, my my 12 year old she was stirred her affections were stirred for the father and we spent the whole night talking about him and she's a new creation and and i'm just gonna throw this in i didn't realize like that's just the beginning because it gets really hard because now every night she's like oh let's stay up and read our bibles and she said she tells me this we can wait till everyone goes to sleep and study till midnight (laughs) I cannot, I'm, I cannot keep up with her. Like the hunger that she has for the word of the Lord and for hearing the father's heart, it's hard to keep up. That girl wants to go till like two in the morning. So that's, are we willing to step up with the next step of discipling and walking these, these kids, these new friends of ours that are coming into the faith? It really is amazing. But when I texted Sandy, she instantly responded that she was so excited for us. And she says, "Um, your mama must be laughing in heaven about the lady with the red hair. (laughs) But instantly when she mentioned my mom, the Holy Spirit took me back to the prayers that she was praying in her last days, to the weight that she was feeling in her last days for that young lady and her destiny and her future. And I said, I told Sandy, oh my goodness, mom was praying for this. And she said, will you share Zoe's testimony? And the moment she said, will you share Zoe's testimony? I knew the Lord wanted me to come and tell you that your prayers have power too. That your prayers will outlive you too. The request that you've made of the Lord can impact generations to come. Not just your children, not just your grandchildren or your great grandchildren, but you are creating a lineage of women of Christ followers who stand on the blood of Jesus who declare the name of Jesus who say that what the enemy says about us does not determine our destiny that the word the lord gets the final say so we cannot back down right now whether you see those prayers answered in your lifetime or not you can know that the one that you are praying to is faithful to answer. His promises are still yes and amen. There is no force mightier than our God. Nothing can stop him when the Lord speaks. There's nothing that can put an end to what he put into motion. He's the Lord of angel armies. He can send down an army to save and to rescue to provide and to protect, to heal and to help. So it doesn't matter how strong or how weak you feel when you pray, because the Bible says that when we pray, he bends down to listen. The creator of the universe leans in when you call on him. So I want to give you a few verses that you can jot down and hold close to your heart and let these words grow deep roots in you so that when the enemy comes to you and tells you that your prayers don't matter or nothing's happening or nothing's changing, you can say, my God hears me when I pray. He's the one that invited me to his throne. And over and over again, the Lord invites us to call on him. So Psalm 138, two through three, your promises are backed by all the honor of your name. As soon as I pray, you answer me. You encourage me by giving me strength. Isaiah 65, 24, before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. Psalm eighteen six, in my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. Psalm 6, 9, the Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord accepts my prayer. Matthew 7, 7, ask. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and it will be open to you. Mark 11:24, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe you have received. Believe you have received and it will be yours first John 5:14 through 15 This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will he hears us and if we know that he hears us whatever we ask we know that we have what we asked of him Hebrews 4:16 So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God there there at the throne we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Psalm 3, 4, I cried out to the Lord and he answered me from his holy mountain. Psalm 4:3, know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Psalm 18, six, in my distress, I called upon the Lord. I cried to my God for help from his temple. He heard my voice and my cry for his help reached his ears. Now there are so many verses in the Bible about this. I could go on and on. So you can take these or you can dig deeper everywhere you look in the pages of the book, God is inviting you to call on him. And I was reading, as I was reading through the verses, I was reminded of the story of Elisha and what was going on in his life when he was on his deathbed. And the king of Israel came to him and he was weeping and he was terrified because he didn't know what was gonna happen to them after Elisha passed. In Elisha's last prophecy of his life, he declared over Israel victory and he gave the king a bow and an arrow And he said, the arrow represents the victory of the Lord. And he said, strike. And the Lord will give you victory. And so the king did exactly what Elisha told him. And he struck three times. And Elisha got so mad. And he said, why did you stop striking? You could have annihilated your enemy. But now you will only get the victory three times. Now the victory has been promised to you and me through the blood of Jesus. When Jesus ascended back into heaven, he left us as his executors. He left a job for us to do. And this is our season. This is our season to strike and to keep on striking. This is our season to pray and to keep on praying. This is our season to decree and keep on decreeing, to believe and keep on believing. This is not the time to slow down or back down. The Lord is calling us as the daughters of God, as the people of God, to wake up and to rise up. Don't you know that this life is but a vapor, that we are here today and gone tomorrow? Even on his deathbed, Elijah was training the next generation for how they would walk in victory after he was gone. So there is still work for us to do. Jesus said, occupy till I come. We must be about the father's business. There are still bodies that need healing. There are still families that need mending. There are still captives that need to be set free. There are nations that need to hear about the love of Jesus and the heart of the father for them. There's a generation that needs to be taught how to step in their authority that Christ has left for them. People need to know that God is for them, that God is with them, and that death no longer has any power over us. If you've been through the fire like Jovet and every woman that we've heard this summer, and like so many of us in this room, I want to encourage you to pick up your bow and your arrow and strike again. Let's grab the baton and the torches that have been handed down to us from those who have gone before us. Elisha, David, Moses, Mary, my mother, my father, our friends, our sisters, children. Let's pick up those torches and let us run our race with endurance. Let us lay aside every every weight, Let us lay aside every sin that holds us back and let's run. Jesus, for the joy, we're the joy. Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. Let's endure. Let's endure until our race is through. Let's not stop striking. Let's go boldly to the throne for our families, for our friends, and for the kingdom of God. The Lord has already declared our victory through the resurrection of Jesus. He hears us and he is with us. May we have the courage to rise up and annihilate the darkness through the blood of Jesus and with the prayers, the bold prayers that we, that we declare in his name.
0: Okay, so in case you missed it, she gave a a prophetic decree in the beginning that our prayers are heard and ended with the same, don't give up, keep striking. I mean, I would be really upset if the Lord said to me, why did you give up? You should have kept on. So if you are believing for your children and, you know, you've prayed prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and they're still not. Were you in the destiny you know God has provided for them? I want you to stand up. I'm gonna have Anna pray over your children.
1: Father God, we come boldly before your throne because you asked us to. And I ask you, Lord, for our children. I ask you, God, for our children's children. I ask you that we could see the change on this side of heaven, Lord, that we could see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. But if not, Lord, I know that you hear us. I know that you have seen every tear that we've cried, that you are holding them and you are holding us, Lord God. And I thank you that you hear us. I thank you that today you are filling us with strength and a confidence that cannot be shaken, that we know, that we know, that we know that you will fulfill everything that you promised to us. And so I ask you, Lord, for our children. We surrender them to you. I thank you for free will. But we ask you, Lord, that you would call them from the dark places. We ask you, Lord, that you would soften their hearts. We ask you, Lord, that you would break down every wall. We ask you, Lord, that you would cancel every assignment of the enemy over their lives. I declare right now in the name of Jesus that each child represented here in in the sound of my voice will fulfill the destiny that they were created for. They will do the good works that God set aside for them to do before the foundations of the earth. And God, for us, We've prayed every big prayer we know how to pray. I ask that you would increase our vision. We will strike, and we will strike, and we will strike. But we ask you, Lord, for the vision to see bigger, to see what you have for them, so that we can declare those things, so that we can see like you see. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.
0: Amen. And Now, while she was speaking, I heard the Lord say, never underestimate the power of a seed. I mean, you noticed, how long was Summer Bible study? Six weeks? It was on the last time. And so she sat there totally, apparently unmoved, but the seed was going in. So the only prayer is not, oh, Lord, plant seeds because the seeds are planted if they've heard the gospel, but Lord water and bring to harvest those seeds and don't let the wicked one, because, you know, Mark 4 says that the wicked one that we talked about earlier, not giving him any power or credit, but just acknowledging there is a wicked one, that he comes immediately to snatch the seed. So it's our job in prayer to protect the seed. And if you need a promise, Isaiah 54, 13 is so powerful. It says, all of your children, not some, all of your children will be taught of the lord and obedient to his will and great shall be the peace the shalom and the undisturbed composure of your children so the blood back promise it's for all of your children and you have what three
1: three yes
0: it's for all three of them it's all all three of mine actually all eight 16 Because I have three daughters, three son-in-laws, and ten grandchildren, and growing. Me and my house will serve the Lord. Amen. Not a partial house, a whole house. So get busy. Never underestimate the power of a seed, ever. That includes the power of love.
1: Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting chosenessay.com. Be sure to follow us at Chosen Essay on Facebook and Instagram.